This podcast will probably be censored. Find out why on this episode of Pushback. Concerned about the direction our culture is heading, then maybe it's time to push back. Welcome everyone to Pushback. I'm Dr. Johnny, and I chuckled a little bit at my intro when I said this will probably be censored, but really the point of this podcast is that that's not really any laughing matter. This is a serious discussion that we need to have in our culture and something that has certainly come to light this week. Uh, Before I get into that, though, I just want to pay tribute to uh, my wife's grandmother, Catherine Rich, who died yesterday at age 98. Uh, We're going to miss her uh, and her smile and her sense of humor, and she was the quintessential grandma and uh, and such an important Uh, peace and part to our family. Uh, But her spirit is soaring and singing today, and it was time for her to go and and be with Jesus. And so we are actually rejoicing over her life lived. And I just wanted to take a couple minutes of this podcast just to pay tribute to a remarkable woman who I loved and our family loved dearly. So thank you for that. Now let's get into censorship. (laughs) It has certainly come to light, uh, the issue of censorship. Uh, As you probably uh, know, there have been a lot of conservative uh, and Christian uh, content that has been uh, censored, uh, especially on Facebook and Twitter. And it really came to light this week uh, when a New York Times post was actually censored uh, on these social media outlets. And I'll get into that in more detail in just a second. But we have to understand that censorship uh, in its entirety has been around uh, throughout all history. Uh, and, and, and I can give you a little bit of history all the way up into current events to, uh, as you may or may not know, even my most recent podcast entitled The Socialism Trap uh, was actually censored uh, by Facebook, most likely because of the tagged word socialism that was in it. This wasn't the only podcast of mine to be censored. Anything that had any kind of conservative content or title uh, was censored. Uh, The original term censor can actually be traced to the Office of Censor, established in Rome in 443 B.C., and uh, the ancient, uh, in Rome as in the ancient Greek communities, the ideal good governance included shaping the character of people. Hence, censorship was actually regarded as an honorable task. Now, the ancient view of censorship as a benevolent task in the best interest of the public is still upheld in many countries, uh, most recently notable in China. Uh, and the, no- the notion advocated by the rulers of the USSR were responsible for the longest lasting and most extensive censorship era of the 20th century. 
And of course, even the church itself has had a long history of censorship in regards to the threat of Christian doctrine. Uh, and as more books were written and copied and people felt like it's, it spread beyond the control of rulers, notice the word control, I will come back to that. And consequently, censorship even in the church became more rigid and the punishment became more severe. Uh, the invention of the printing press in Europe in the mid-15th century only increased the need for censorship, according to the church. Although printing greatly aided the Catholic Church in its mission, it also aided the Protestant Reformation and the heretics, such as Martin Luther. So general censorship, when we talk about general censorship, we have to understand that there's general censorship all the time. In everywhere that we look, and, and a lot of it is noble and good, because general censorship, including speech, books, music, film, arts, radio, what I'm doing today, internet, uh, there can be censorship in regards to national security, but most importantly for obscenity, child pornography, hate speech, protecting children and vulnerable groups. I like the word vulnerable groups because I think all of us are vulnerable groups because there are a lot of things that we shouldn't be reading and looking at. And so there is some decency connected to censorship that's everywhere. Every parent who is listening to this podcast has censored what we have said to our children. We don't have a free expression of everything that comes to our mind do we share with our children. No, we run it through a filter so that it is safe for them to digest. But we are in a country that has valued free speech, so much so that we made it our very first amendment. So let me read, if you have never read this, the first amendment to our Constitution. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or of the right of the people peacefully to assemble and to the petition the government for a redress of grievances. This is a grouping of super important liberties that have been given to us as American citizens so that we can freely express ourselves. The founding fathers saw the expression, the free speech uh, expression of who we are and what we believe to be foundational to this country and super important to the ongoing discourse of freedom and liberty here in America. But of course, this has come up big time in the news this week when a story was released uh, by the New York Post, which was actually founded by Alexander Hamilton. And it's the nation's oldest continually operating daily newspaper. And they broke a bombshell story about Hunter Biden's dealings with the Ukrainian energy company Burisma. And the point of this podcast is not to go into any detail of the story other than to say that the conservative, that, I'm sorry, the big tech censorship took place immediately after the story was released. So Facebook dutifully blacklisted the story with its policy communication manager actually boasted about it. Now, Twitter which is a cousin to Facebook, also effectively banned the story. As they did to some of my podcasts and some of the free expressions of ideas that are on their uh, social media platform. 
Now, the question is, don't they have the right to do what they please? Because they also have the freedom of the press, uh, free country and all, right? Uh, they actually have free speech. They're a private company. Uh, don't they have the right to actually control what is released on their media outlet? It's a great question. But the answer is, unfortunately, no. They don't because of a provision that was given to them actually by the government. They have been given a what's called a sweetheart legal immunity deal called Section 230-230 of the 1996 Communications Decency Act. Now, I'm assuming 1996 Communications Decency Act was needed to be implemented because of the introduction of social media on the face of the planet. <laughs> new technology, new problems, right? And... And the idea of the Section 230, it says this, I'll quote it, no provider or user of an interactive computer service shall be threatened as the publisher or speaker of any information provided by another information content provider. Now, maybe your eyes glazed over as I walked through that definition. But in other words, online intermediaries, such as Facebook, Twitter, that host or republish speech are protected against a range of laws that might otherwise be used to hold them legal, legally responsible for what others say or do. So, for instance, the Washington Post, as a newspaper or news agency, is actually considered a publisher and isn't protected under Section 230. So whatever they release, they are responsible for and are subject to, uh, to be legally sued over any information that is given. Twitter and Facebook are actually protected legally because they are simply regurgitating or re-releasing re information given by others. So they're not responsible for the content that is being released. The interesting part is, <laughs> is if Facebook and Twitter decide that they are going to intervene and censor or edit what is being released on their social platform, they no longer are protected by Section 230. And this would basically, essentially, wipe them out. Because then anything that's released on their platform, they are subject to liability for and are responsible for. Could you imagine? Those of us who have read Facebook and Twitter, the things that are out there, they would be legally responsible for all of it. So the question is, here I am releasing a podcast about culture, and I want to talk about the cultural aspect of free speech. So here's... My podcast, I'm simply trying to engage culture in conversation that brings health. And the question is, should that be censored? And if Twitter or Facebook is just a free uh, release of information, uh, free thought protected by Section 230, then it should absolutely not be censored. So have no fear because... The Senate is now subpoenaing, is that the word, subpoenaing? <laughs> the CEO, Mark Zuckerberg of Facebook, and the, the leader of Twitter to come before Congress and be held accountable for their actions. Because they have selectively targeted conservative, Christian, and Republican issues 
and have censored them, which is actually a breach of Section 230. So there will, they will have a decision to make, most likely, after this congressional hearing that they will ha- be forced to sit in front of, to either open up their platform to free speech or have Section 230 removed, the protection of 230 removed, which would essentially end their business completely. See, the, the, the root... The root of what is happening here in our country during this time of election, especially, is fear and control. How many times have you heard that in my podcast over this last year? Fear and control. We are not supposed to be led by fear, and we should be suspicious, and we should be proactive against people who are trying to control You know, I'm reminded of a biblical story that illustrates this so beautifully. It takes place in Acts chapter 5. It's a response to Peter and the apostles saying that they're going to follow Christ and preach him unashamedly. And it says that the the Pharisees uh, plotted to kill them. And I hope you understand that martyrdom is actually the ultimate suppression of of free speech and the greatest expression of fear. Martyrdom. They are such a threat to us in the way that we think and believe that we are willing to kill them. Now, I'm not suggesting that Facebook and Twitter are looking to kill the conservative Christians or the Republicans, but they are trying to suppress because of fear and control. So the story in Acts chapter 5 is uh, the Pharisees are, are up in arms and literally and angry at the apostles and what they are saying. And it says, starting in verse 33, when they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, who was honored by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered that the men be put outside for a little while. Then he addressed the Sanhedrin. Men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do with these men. Some time ago, uh, Thutis appeared claiming to be somebody. And about 400 rallied to him. He was killed and his followers were dispersed, and it all came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean appeared in the days of of the census and led a band of people in revolt. He too was killed and all his followers scattered. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin... It will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. I believe this story in the Bible is such a a great illustration of somebody who was honored by the people standing up and saying, let's not be led by fear. If these people are of no threat, if these people and what they are saying have no validity or power, then it's going to drift away and become nothingness. If what they're saying is God, then you should be careful that you're not fighting against God. What wisdom? See, in free speech, in our civil discourse, I believe that that the free speech is amendment number one. I believe it's there as number one for a reason because our founding fathers valued it so much. 
Now, we don't have to listen to or agree with, but we are all healthier when we are free to speak. That's what the founding fathers felt. That's what they felt to be true. And so if suppression is from fear, as Gamaliel Gamaliel was making the point, then the question to those who look to censor what other people feel, the question is, what are you afraid of? Is conservatism so threatening? Is Christianity so dangerous to you? Why is Mark Zuckerberg afraid of my little podcast here in central Minnesota? (laughs) And the Senate will maybe have a chance to ask him that very question. What are you afraid of? See, censorship actually exposes a deep-rooted insecurity of one's own position, which is exactly what this is about. They actually want to make room for immoral and amoral lifestyle. That's the whole purpose of suppressing someone who is actually calling for a moralistic and Christian viewpoint. They want to make room for their lifestyle and they don't want to hear otherwise. It's a deeply rooted place of insecurity. And so we, those of us who set the culture, right? The family, the Christian families here on this earth, we need to challenge the censors with what are you afraid of? If you feel like you're being intimidated, if you feel like you are being suppressed, if you feel like the things that we are saying freely as Americans in our society are being pushed aside or pushed down, then we need to respond with, what are you afraid of? Why is the message that I am releasing on the face of this earth so threatening? Is it truth? Is it opposition? See, opposition is actually the backbone of our republic. It's called checks and balances. The founding fathers actually embraced opposition. They saw it as a healthy discourse in society. And it is critical that we keep that health, that we keep the conversation open and in front of people. I was watching the news the other day and it blew my mind because they were quoting a a retired congressman and he made a comment about maybe, maybe we need an agency to actually fact check what is being placed out into the public discourse. My friends, China has an agency (laughs) that actually screens and filters what is actually being released to the public. And they rationalize it as being good for the people. Do you see the danger of the cycle of, of having one group of people decide what is the, the moralistic or, or beneficial uh, information that needs to be released to people? China, USSR, Nazi Germany, they're the ones that had agencies. We need to resist this at all costs. See, total control and fear, uh, it makes sense uh, when you're trying to to sway um, someone to think differently than yourself. And that's why it's so different. That's why it's so dangerous. If we can suppress somebody that thinks differently than we are than we do, then we can control the way people think. It's very dangerous. So what do we do? 
Well, I think the most important thing we do, despite all of the things that I just said, is protect free speech. And I mean that no double standards. I think that we, even as conservative Christians, can be very threatened by what other people are saying. And, and the temptation is, is to suppress it and to say they don't have the right to say it. But I believe that liberal posts should stand. I'm not af- I am not afraid of what they have to offer because I think that it's going to drift away, as Gamaliel will say, would say. Last week, I talked about free stuff that socialism offers. I'm not afraid about that because it's already been tried and true. It's already been tried and found to be untrue. That's what I should say. What about the conspiracy theories or wacky, unsubstantiated claims that are often released out on Facebook and these social media platforms? Well, it forces us to take responsibility for the content that's being, re- that's being released and to research its validity. We just can't be lazy about it. I'm not threatened by what is being put out there because if it's wacky and it's wild and it's, it's in the realm of conspiracy theory and holds no validity in and of itself, then it's going to fall away. But they have the right, that it's healthy for society to have the right to release the information. Number two is that we can pursue legal action. And I believe that's what the Senate hearings are all about. And we need to support that. And we need to even write our senators or congressmen and say, we support this. See, the Constitution is actually on our side. The Constitution protects free speech. Number three is we can let capitalism work uh, in the realm of put your money where your mouth is and boycotts. I love I love the Target story. Target said they were going to make all of their bathrooms just unisex, that anybody can go in there so that there's no sexual discrimination. And they were willing to put my daughters at risk by having men walk into the bathroom made me mad it made a lot of people mad it made people so mad that their stocks began to drop precipitously and their ceo came out and did the most classic backpedal you could ever imagine so boycotts work money definitely works that's the way a capitalistic society goes if they're deliver delivering a a unsavory product then we don't have to buy it. And the last thing I want to say of what we can do is have a conversation. You know that's my heart. You know it's the heart of all of my podcasts is to have a conversation and ask the question, what are you afraid of? See, we are to set and to shape the culture. We're not helpless victims here. If we feel like we're being censored, then we need to respond and push back with equal veracity so that they understand that this is a, a, an un-American move. We set and shape the culture. I just want to close with this. I, I got a, a uh, wonderful responses from you, many, many um such encouraging feedback I've been getting on these podcasts, and I really appreciate that. I want to read one from Josh, uh, who wrote, I am 42 years old this December and have never voted because the vileness and disgust that I have seen in the past between candidates. I have always felt ashamed of our society and culture by these actions. But as of this year, I am registered to vote and prepared for the first time in my life for my opinion, beliefs, and dreams for this country to be counted. The time is now to be heard. Thank you for this podcast, Dr. Johnny. 
Josh, I, I so appreciate that. And it encourages me so, so, so much because let's be honest, sometimes politics is unsavory and I understand the hesitation to even vote, but I'm encouraged by Josh and by others who will stand up and be counted and to be willing to engage our culture. So with that being said, let's go together now to set and shape the culture. <laughs>